When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Master Builders Victoria, supporting Victorian builders for over 147 years. Not a member yet? Call today. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Hello and welcome to Dwayne's World. Great to have your company wherever you might be listening around the planet. Massive show coming as always, but as always, your call's the priority. So midday matters to start, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The next Hour or two, your calls, one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the open line, which is brought to us by Werribee Kia. Werribee Kia awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. Heaps to get to in the world of sport later. Uh, Ian Healy's going to join us to talk plenty of cricket. Um, Xavier Cooks is also going to have a chat to us. Sydney Kings superstar who was named NBL MVP last night. David King, who's been at Melbourne training. Josh Gablich, who's also been around the traps looking at training today. So a little bit of AFL coming your way later. But your call straight off the top. Anything in the world of sport that moves you enough to pick up your phone and dial the number, we'll get you on. Send through a text as well if you can't dial the number, 0433 98 11 16, the text number for 40 Winks and Temper, T-E-M-P-U-R, Temper, Consumer's Choice Winner, Mattresses, Pillows and Adjustable Bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. Keep your text coming through. And I'll read a heap out. But jump on the line right now. I've got a heap of prizes to give away again today. And this is my last day on air for a few days. So in this slot tomorrow, it'll be the first test coming away from India, which is really exciting. We've all been waiting for this. Been talked about a lot. Well, it's finally here tomorrow. And it'll be here on this station that you're listening to now at this time. We'll be building up toward the first test. So this is my last day on air until after the test. So... Last opportunity for Midday Madness right now for the next two hours. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Still got a double pass, another double pass. South, thanks to South East Melbourne Phoenix, who've been great to us over this NBL season. And you can go and watch them up against the Perth Wildcats tomorrow night, the first ever home final in franchise history. Tickets are still available at Ticketek. We've got a double pass to give away today. Uh, bottles of Starwood, two-fold double-grain Australian whiskey, thanks to Hairy Dog's Summer of Aussie Spirits, hairydog.com.au. And a couple of vouchers for a round of golf for you and a mate at the magnificent St Andrews Beach Golf Course, and they're valued at $210. If you want to talk some cricket, been a lot of cricket talk today, a lot of complaints about what India is doing to prepare this pitch. And I'm trying yet again to work out what's fair and what's Aussie whinging. Um, how long's a piece of string? It's been happening in India forever. Are they just taking it up a notch? So, you know, that, given what they've always done, um, is this just moving a little bit further in that direction? We've, we prepare pitches we like in Australia, and we've prepared pitches in this country the last three days. So who are we to lecture on pitch prep? So what is a good pitch, a fair pitch, to someone not in the cricket bubble itself like me and you, um, I'll judge it on how many days it gives us. That's all I really care about. Australia has fantastic batters. We've got arguably the world's best test batting lineup. If we're all out twice and the test is over 
within three and a half days, then I think you can complain. But if it's a full four-day, four-and-a-half-day, over-on-the-fifth-day test, and you get a result, well, what's to complain about? Um, anyway, your thoughts on that. one 736 If they prepare a pitch that tests Australia for four-and-a-half days, intensely difficult and great riveting cricket to watch, then I'm good with that, regardless of whether it turns, uh, doesn't turn, um, and takes, you know, if Scotty Boland gets a fifer. Anything could happen on this pitch, and there's been a lot talked about. Ian Healy to join us later on on that. I just spoke to Gerard Waitley as well. I asked Gerard Waitley, who is going to be Australia's man of the series? If we do win this series, who's going to be our hero? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. If you've got a thought, you want to put your name next to someone that's going to be our hero. I also asked Gerard Waitley, what's Dave Warner's first four scores? Dave Warner, well, will he survive the whole series? Will he dominate the series? Will he prosper? Will he still be there opening for Australia in the first test of the Ashes after doing a great job in India uh, and heading to England where they go next and you know off the back of some great India form? Warner really is not in form. He had one great innings this summer, struggled outside of his 200 and struggled a bit on return to the Big Bash. So what will his first four scores be? You didn't hear... Me with Gerard, we're kind of both suggesting that if you had to have a guess, you'd say it'd be 10, 12, a duck, and 150. But it's hard to judge, so you be the judge. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 John in Port Augusta, Tony in Bayswater, we'll get to you. Reese in Beaumaris, welcome to you. Reese, you can be first up today. Yeah, g'day, Dwayne. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Look, I think in, in regards to pitch pe- preparation, I think you know the reports are correct that they're, they're preparing parts of the wicket um, differently and watering, you know, certain parts that will affect our left-handers. I think that's just taken it to a new level, and that, you know, you can criticise our pitch preparation, but at least we were preparing the pitch, the whole pitch, the same way. So I think that's that's a real concern, and I think that's really not within the spirit of, of, of the game, and uh, that's a that's a massive concern for me. I appreciate your call, Reese. For those who didn't hear Robert Craddock or have read Robert Craddock's article in the Herald Sun, if you didn't hear Robert Craddock with Gerard Whiteley earlier today, there's a suggestion that Pete Hamscom might maybe replace Matt Renshaw, so a right-hander replacing a left-hander because the pitch looks treacherous for left-handers, and we've got quite a few of them. But here's Robert Craddock uh, with Gerard Whiteley earlier. I've never seen a a pitch prepared, a two-tone pitch like this, where you deliberately refuse to water an area of the pitch on the, due to the balance of the opposition team, which Australia having six left-handers out of their first top eight players. And it, it, it's absolutely dreadful, isn't it? But um, and, and I've never seen a situation where a guy like Matt Renshaw, who's a left-hander, could sacrifice his place in the team to right-hander Peter Hanscom on the basis of the condition of a portion of the pitch. Like, it's just... That is a story Test cricket has never had before. Australia is deep in discussions, Jared, over its team. And don't write off Victoria's very own Todd Murphy for making one of the most stunning Test taboos we've seen in many, many years. Robert Craddock with Gerard Whaley earlier. Your calls, 1-300-736-736. Barry in Wheelers Hill, welcome to you. Barry, great to have you on the program. Hi, Dwayne. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Yeah, just on which Australian cricketers should perform well, I would, I would expect Usman Khwaja and Steve Smith. 
and mainly because in the cricket pitches in India, you've got to show patience. And I think both these players do show a lot of patience. I think David Warner, I'm hoping Travis Head plays well because he has turned around, but he's a bit too aggressive is what I would say. And Dave Warner's become a very aggressive opener as well, hasn't he? He's the kind of guy who is just saying, well, this is why I'm going to play. And uh, if it comes off like it did when he scored 200, then fine. If it doesn't come off, then it doesn't come off. Or do you think he'll order his game, Barry, and become a bit more patient as an opener? I don't think think it's that easy to change your style. David Warner has been playing aggressive for so many years. For him to now turn around and play defensive, I just don't think he has a, 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 a patient bone in his body, if I use that terminology. Steve Smith, on the other side, has shown the vice versa in the BBL, how he, you could turn around the other way and try and be aggressive. But to change and start just to play defensive, I think it's really tough for Dave Warner. Yeah, look, Barry, I think you're spot on. I think it's going to be Steve Smith. Manus Labuschagne could be the guy as well. Travis Head's aggressive and I don't think Travis Head's going to change too much so Travis Head's the kind of guy who you know, he could get a ton, he could get one so whereas I think Steve Smith and Marnus Labuschagne will have this game plan in their own mind that they might, if, they, if they're going to bat they could bat for five days if they get everything right that's what they'd be thinking in their own mind um, even though we know that's not going to happen but they'd be hoping that they could have the capacity to do it. Hold the line, Barry got a bottle of Starwood Two-fold double-grain Australian whiskey, thanks to Hairy Dog Summit of Aussie Spirits, hairydog.com.au. Heap of texts coming through. One of them saying, Dwayne, who cares about cricket? LeBron is going to break the scoring title today. Xavier Cooks is going to join me a little bit later on to talk some NBL, the Kings NBL MVP winner last night. And yes, LeBron will break the NBA all-time scoring record later today against Josh Giddy's OKC if, if he scores 36 points. And the bookies are kind of betting against him, scoring 36. They're thinking that, I think the even money uh, with the bookies is around the 32 points. So there's a thought that he might fall short. Anyway, he could break it today and become the GOAT, if he's not the GOAT already. And if you've got a thought on whether he's the GOAT already, then by all means, send through a text or jump on the line. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar holds the scoring record right now, 38,387. The man who uh, developed, owned, uh, brought the skyhook, into practice, the most unstoppable shot uh, in the history of basketball's evolution. Michael Jordan also is up there in the GOAT discussion, but um, Kareem's got the scoring record, 38,387. Jordan, 10 scoring titles, by the way, and averaging over 30 points a game, but he, according to some experts, would average 40 points a game if he played in today's uh, game. Tony in Bayswater, speaking of basketball, welcome to you, Tony. Dwayne, how you going? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, um, just quickly on, on the LeBron thing. I, uh, Michael Jordan will always be the greatest of all time for me. Um, it doesn't matter what LeBron does. I don't think he'll ever be able to reach the, the pinnacle that Michael Jordan did. But just quickly, I wanted to grab your opinion on the on the Phoenix versus the Wildcats. Do you think, do you think the Phoenix yeah, will be able to roll the Wildcats at home? I do, yeah. Look, I know that the Wildcats beat the Kings two days ago without Bryce Cotton starring, but I think they are still very Bryce Cotton reliant. And there was that sort of Kings didn't need to win the game factor, maybe playing in the Wildcats' favour 
in that it's a rarity to have the Wildcats win without, um, well, I suppose without a number of scorers at least helping out Bryce Cotton, even if Bryce Cotton doesn't score his 30-odd. But, yeah, I think they can. I think Mitch Creek's got a point to prove as well. He could well be the best player in the comp, even though the judges last night gave, what, 120 votes to Xavier Cooks. Uh, Bryce Cotton got 96 and Mitch Creek 80. I'm going to be there tomorrow night as well, so I'm looking forward to being there to see it unfold. But, yeah, uh, Chris Anstey on this program about a week ago, Tony, said that the biggest threat to the Kings is South East Melbourne. So, yeah, I think they can get into that grand final series, but the tough part is you've got to beat the Kings to win the whole thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The Kings are the team of the uh, the season. Hey, um, before I let you go, do you think there's just... For some reason, everybody loved Michael Jordan, and we've all got that sweet spot of how good those glory old days are. And, you know, we all kind of loved life when we were 20, 21. It was uh, more of a carefree uh, kind of existence where, you know, you didn't necessarily have a loan and all that kind of stuff to, to look after. But do you think there's just... For some reason, people just don't seem to like LeBron, do they? I, I would agree. His, his personality uh, sort of does come into it a little bit. Uh, he, he is more of a, an egomaniac, I, I think. He comes across that way. Um, but Michael, Michael Jordan, uh, it's just the things he did uh, just amazed me back in, back in the 90s. And, like, Chicago Bulls were a nothing team, really, until he came, he, until he came on board and then... He brought some really great people on board, and then he, he he trained them all together. Like he really brought them and melded them as a team, and was able to turn that franchise around. They weren't really great before he came in on board. Tony, great to have you call. Good to talk a little bit of basketball with you. Hold the line. You can have the double pass to the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix final v Perth Wildcats tomorrow night. The first ever home final in franchise history for Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Tickets are still available at Ticketek if you want to jump online, but they're running out pretty quick. Need to take a break. one 736 I'll play you what Steve Smith had to say about the pitch as well with Barat Sundarason in the interview recorded yesterday. Simon O'Donnell had a few words to say about the pitch situation as well. He also had a bit to say about the spin bowlers that are in contention to play for Australia. He seems to think Todd Murphy should play. Straight back to your calls and your texts for the last midday madness for five days. The test coming your way from India this time tomorrow. So looking forward to finally the test starting. We've talked about a lot. It's been a great build-up, but this is arguably the big moment for Australian cricket and a lot of the guys that are in the 11 right now. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the open line number. Jump on. We'll take your calls for midday madness all the way to Ian Healy joining us after one o'clock, and then a bit of footy talk as well. David King and Josh Gablich have been watching training, so a couple of training sessions this morning. Keep your text coming through 0433981116 on the 40 Winks temper text. And still got a few things to give away Signet Boost Power Banks, a couple of vouchers for a round of golf for you and a mate at the Magnificent St Andrews Beach Golf Course, valued at $210. And four tickets to the Melbourne Beer Fest, Katani Gardens and Kilda, Saturday 25th of February to give away tickets at www.beerfestivals.com.au. So many texts coming through on LeBron, who it won't happen during this show if he does break the scoring record today. He needs 36 points against OKC. That game doesn't start until about 2 o'clock our time. So uh, Andy and Andy, I look forward to bringing you the latest on 
LeBron's pushed to get 36 points today to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. High line basketball goat is MJ. Second best is not even close. MJ transcended sport. He's my son's favourite sportsman, and my son is 20. Cheers, Mike. Um, interesting window of time in sporting history. The second best of all time at the same time. Steve Smith and Bradman, LeBron and MJ, Mahomes and Tom Brady. Uh, but we started off the year with the goat, that being the joker. Uh, thanks for that, Ash. Uh, Dave Warner, first test, four. Second test, 80. Third test, a couple of ducks. And the fourth test, 10. Uh, my man of the series is Usman Kawaja or Todd Murphy. That's from Dean. Um, I read a heap of your texts out, but on Todd Murphy, uh, Simon O'Donnell had this to say about who should be in our lineup in the 11. And he said that Todd Murphy, he would think, would be best placed to play because he is different to Nathan Lyon. And the perception is, well, he's too similar, but Simon O'Donnell made the case for his differences today on breakfast. We'll come back to that shortly. But uh, Simon talking about the spin bowlers and also saying that he thought Mitch Swepson was ahead of Agar. So that's an interesting thought from Simon. Here's what he said on breakfast. He's so he's going, going to Mitch Swepson from Queensland. I'm going Toddy Murphy from Victoria. Why are we going Tom Murphy? So George Bailey says they're not going to play two offies in the one team at the same time. Michael Casperit said this is no environment, um, no country for young men, basically. Do not play him over there in India where they are the masters of spin. It is a, a straight into the lion's den without a whip and without a chair. But you say, He's chuck him straight in. He's very good stock, young Todd Murphy. Won't be too much for him. Um, he comes from a, a very metally tough family. He's done extremely well quickly. He's a very different bowler to Nathan Lyon as an off-spinner. He's quick through so? the air. He's... he's He's more direct. He's not as loopy a bowler. Mm. Uh, he'll he'll skid more over there just by way he bowls. Um, so I, I think I think both of those guys can bowl on pitches that are going to be helpful to spinners. I think because of just the natural variation of the way they bowl is is going to be like two different bowlers anyway. So I, I don't subscribe to can't have. Two offies playing okay. in India. Ashton Agar, any chance? I don't think so. I, I think, and I only ask that because I think Swepson's ahead of him. If in red ball cricket, you know, it's good to have him there as a, a left arm finger spinner. I, I'm not sure he's in the eleven. I, I think if they play a second spinner, it comes down to either Swepson or Murphy. So there it is, Simon O'Donnell on breakfast. She's been great on breakfast this summer, as too has Sam Edmund. But uh, Sammy's a ripper wherever he ends up with his shift, whether it's filling in for me, uh, filling in for Jared, or doing breakfast. But uh, it's been great to hear Simon all summer. Their stint is nearly up, by the way. Gary Lyon and Tim Watson back next Tuesday, as I will be. This is the last show for me until after the first test. Uh, back to your thoughts on the lineup and the pitch. Stephen Campbell has given us a call on the Australian Test team. Welcome to you, Steve. Great to have you on the line. Yeah, thanks, Rano. Mate, I, I got a with the way that the pitch has been prepared. I think there's one way. There's only one way to really teach them a lesson. I reckon we should send the T20 side over, and then uh, end the game in two days. Whoever wins is just going to be a toss of the coin, and see what happens. So just take our chances and try and smack 150. You reckon, Steve? Well, in our the, first the whole dig. point is, it's supposed. To, it's, yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be a test. And a test is played yep. in a certain way. But if you manipulate the pitch in the way that they have, it's not going to end up that. And everyone's just going to get disappointed. So you might as well just go well, out there, have a bit of fun, 
have all the sponsors yep. not make any money, and then it'll the next test series is going to be okay. So what's the fine line for you then? For me, if, if we get four good days out of this pitch, then I'm okay with it, regardless of whether it turns or um, you know turns at right angles. Where are you at? If, if, would you be happy even if it's treacherous and we got four days? I'm not happy the fact that it, it favours one from the other, and you know our, our yeah. top line batsmen are all going to be massively disadvantaged. And, you know, it's highly likely that they're probably going to change that top order and, and, and put a different batsman in to, to, to navigate around those cracks. Hmm. Yeah, look, I know exactly what you're talking about. And there's been a lot talking about it. Steve Smith uh, was talking to Bratz and to race, and I'll play a little bit of Steve. I think Simon O'Donnell weighed into the pitch situation this morning as well, so I'll play you that shortly. But great to have your call, Steve. Uh, hold on, got something for you. We've got four tickets to the Melbourne Beer Fest, Katani Gardens St Kilda, Saturday 25th of February. Tickets at www.beerfestivals.com.au. Marty in Adelaide, you there, Marty? I am. Before I go on, go power and go Sturt. <laughs> I have to get that Good one. Good on you. Now, go the Double the Blues. Team, so, yeah, yep. Double Blues are on me, yeah. And forget that. And I reckon that uh, Travis Head can play a role in this game because he can bowl a bit of slow bowling. And uh, So Travis Head's a better option to you than... Go on. Sorry? Yep. So you'd play Travis Head. Uh, you'd give him the ball and let him turn it for a few overs as well. Well, if it's as bad as we all imagine and it's contrived pitch, we will cheat the same way they do, but we won't cheat that they know we're cheating. We'll do it very silently. I don't believe in this, by the way. I think it's a joke. But it's Nathan Lyon's chance to prove himself the best spinner of the 20th century, 21st century. And I reckon we can win this test. And it might come undone for India. When you try and do something that's not exactly legal, it never works out in your favour. Well, it's legal. Uh, ICC has never stepped in, and it's unlikely they'll step in here. So it's legal. What they've done is legal. It's just... Uh, how far the piece of string has taken has upset a few people this season, uh, this summer, this series, because we do see pitches produced in a lot of countries, including Australia, uh, that we like to play on, if you like, and this is one they like to play on. one 736 Come back to your calls very shortly. A couple of texts. Need to take a break. Uh, Blackie and Doreen, Jeff in Manor Lakes. I know you're there as well. Um, Manus Labuschagne will be the player of the series, one of the best batsmen in the world for a reason. He trains hard for these series, and, yeah, he is definitely one of those. If you're going to um, put your money on anybody to be the player of the series, Manus Labuschagne is a bet to at least give his heart and soul um, and be a chance to actually achieve it, given his skill set. Um, who gives the rats about American sports? More cricket talk, please. That's from Ben. Uh, will we help? We'll have more cricket talk as well. Not only your calls after the break, but Ian Healy to join us after one o'clock. Uh, worried about the Whitecats' small rotations, only basically playing six players, especially having to play again Thursday night. Uh, more on the NBL. Been getting a lot of texts on the NBL, which is great. Does that mean this time slot tomorrow will be Mumbai madness? Uh, it will be. It'll be or some Nagpur madness coming your way in this slot tomorrow. I'm not here, but the cricket will be. And how exciting is that? Back to your calls and your texts after the break on Dwayne's World for Master Builders Victoria. Want the best in industry training? Contact Master Builders Victoria. And for Athena Home Loans, pay down your home loan faster 
with Athena. Well, it's great to have your company for Midday Madness, last Midday Madness for five days. One here on the text. Uh, optimistic of you, Dwayne, to think the test will go for five days with that pitch. Pretty sure you'll be back Monday. Well, actually, maybe SEN are preparing for a four-day test as well because on Monday, it'll actually be the Super Bowl happening at this time. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens with the Super Bowl versus Day five of the test. I'm sure they're both going to be broadcast, by the way. Uh, MJ made players earn more from bringing the NBA to the world stage. He never left the team to win a championship. He'll always be the GOAT. Liam in Mernda. Quite a few coming through on MJ. Another here. MJ's the GOAT. Uh, keep your texts coming through. Uh, great to have so many of your texts. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting here, the text. It's perfectly fine for a host nation to prepare a pitch to suit them. We do it here in Australia every summer. Get over it. If we're good enough... We win. And that's the issue I was talking about earlier. How much of this is a little bit of um, Aussie whinging? Uh, because the text here says a couple of things in that regard. Typical Aussie whingers. It's our home track. We'll smash you. Go India. Uh, thanks for that text as well. Um, to your calls again, though. Um, Jeff in Battle Lakes, you want to talk cricket and Michael Jordan. Blackie and Doreen, I know you're there as well. John in Port Augusta. We'll get to you all. Uh, before the news, hopefully, because Ian Healy's not far away from joining us. Uh, Jeff in Mount Lakes, you want to talk cricket and Michael Jordan? Yeah, uh, look, I, I totally agree with you with this. Yes, it's not not great, but, you know, we do it, England does it, everyone does it, and, and we've just got to get over it and pick the best side to be able to win it. Hopefully it will go to three or four days as a minimum, um, but that's going to be up to our batters as to how they will bat on that pitch. With that, also, I think if Australia win, I think it'll be either Pat Cummins or Nathan Lyon that will get man of the series because uh, we're going to need both of them to really uh, fire to get um, get the wickets. Yeah, wickets are going to be interesting, Blackie, because if Scott Boland plays and he gets a, a three for 60, it's going to look pretty damn good if we win the test in comparison to, you know, a, a five for two, 210. That's the hard part, Blackie. How many runs get scored before we get the wickets taken? There's going to be a lot of bowlers that are going to have to swing their arm over a lot in this series, the way it's standing. Although, if you're right, or if people are right, this test is only going to last three days, then uh, maybe they're not have to, going to have to roll their arm over quite as much. But I'm still hopeful. I know I've seen the pictures of the, the pitch as well. We've all seen the pictures. But at, at the same time, they're only pictures. I mean, the proof will be in the pudding. If it lasts three, three and a half days, the test, then uh, not good enough. If it lasts four and a half, uh, I think I'll be damn happy. Appreciate your call, by the way. Blackie and Doreen, you got a thought on this. Welcome to you, Blackie. G'day, Dwayne. How are you? Good, thanks. A couple of things. First thing in the pitch, they've obviously prepared it with uh, the amount of left-handers that we have in our side. But for me, <laughs> two best batsmen, whether we bat well in this series or not, it's going to come come down to Labuschagne and, and Smith, the two the two right-handers, and, and Smith has an unbelievable record on the subcontinent, a far better record than uh, most people uh, recognise, and, and a far better record than most Indian batsmen in those conditions. So they've prepared a pitch that, you know, uh, with with Warner and Kawaja and, and Carey and Hedy in mind, but but, you know, they haven't targeted the, our two best backswords. Also, uh, uh, answer me this question, Dwayne. If, all, if Todd Murphy, if most people say Todd Murphy's the next spinner behind Nathan Lyon, but the only reason he won't play is because he's too similar to Nathan Lyon, do we want to get into a situation where Nathan Lyon is bowling beautifully, but 
in a test match, but has to come off because he's tired. And we stick on, you know, say an Agard, who then is not as good, and the pressure comes off uh, and they're able to get away. Or do you want, you know, Todd Murphy to come on and be able to bowl and put the pressure on exactly like Nathan Lyon, even though he'll be bowling the same? Doesn't make well, sense other... to me. Would you... Yeah, I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing with you on that. And well, let me throw a question back to you then, because the, are we going to sort of jump at a shadow here and play an extra bowler and play Lyon, Murphy, and Schwepson and play one less batter because we've seen the pitch and we're getting a little scared by it and we think we need an extra spinner. Hundred percent. Play your two. Play your two best players. I mean, do we not pick? Have we never picked fast bowlers? You know, three or four in a side. The West Indies used to pick four. I'm not sure that those four were much different outside of maybe a little bit of extra pace of Michael Holding and a little bit of extra height from Joel Garner. But in essence, four quick bowlers, it bowl the same. Just pick your best two spinners. I mean, you don't want a situation where Agar's going to have to bowl 30 overs in the test match and there be great overs. I would rather 30 overs from Todd Murphy if they're going to be 30 quality overs even though they're going to be the same type of bowling as Nathan Lyon. Great to have you, Cole Blackie. Always good to be uh, uh, with you on the radio and having a bit of a, a chat with you. Hold the line. I've got something for you. Either a round of golf for you and a mate at the magnificent St Andrews Beach Golf Course, valued at $210. All four tickets to the Melbourne Beer Fest, Katani Gardens and Kilda, Saturday 25th of February. Tickets at www.beerfestivals.com.au and a couple of texts coming through saying the same thing. India are silly. Number one and two batsmen in the world, Marnus and Steve Smith, that is, are right-handers. So, uh, yeah, maybe they are doing... <laughs> not watering the wrong side. Straight back to your calls and your texts for Midday Madness from Melbourne Roadside Rescue, wrong fuel extraction. Search up shipcreek.com.au. Uh, couple of texts coming through. It's the fact that Australia has four top-order lefties. India has none. No point of making it difficult for Smith, etc., when it'll affect their batsmen. Brett in Bunyip, thanks for that text. Um, can all these Michael Jordan people just shut up and enjoy LeBron for who he is? Most of them watched him via YouTube and myth-building like The Last Dance. LeBron is an all-time legend, and their lack of appreciation is just so miserable. That's Dano. Uh, appreciate your text, Dano. Uh, but plenty of people coming through saying MJ is going to be their greatest regardless. MJ is the greatest. Then Kareem, Kobe and LeBron. Uh, MJ by a mile didn't jump from a team uh, to team chasing championships. Uh, made the balls what they were and changed basketball forever. Catherine in Bacchus Marsh. Thanks for your text, Catherine. Uh, I didn't have a lot of interest in watching the first test. Now I can't wait to see what this pitch does. It's something different. I think it's great. Brett. In Bunyip, appreciate that as well. Have we, as Australians, become the biggest whingers in the world? We've definitely got the English covered. It's India. What do people expect? Brett and Bunyip. So he sent through a few. Brett, appreciate that. Um, get that guy off the radio. This is one of our callers earlier. Our pitches are made to suit our players. Every country makes their pitches to suit their players. Stop taking calls from these knobs. Um, well, it's midday matters, and uh, I love the fact that we have so many calls, and I appreciate the fact that, well, people like John end up on hold for about 35 minutes. John, welcome to you. Great to have you on. <laughs> yeah, hi, Dwayne. I'm like a kid <laughs> at Christmas, mate. You know, I love my test cricket. I idolise it. And I'm in heaven, mate. I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. Um, you see, something bobbed up on my phone yesterday. 
East India series now bigger than the Ashes. And it got me thinking, the Ashes I've always held dearly. You know, I love my history and my traditions and all the rest of it. But, you know, it probably nearly does. Not dissimilar perhaps to the West Indies in the late 70s through the 80s. Um, when they're the, when they're the absolute highest, highest echelon. Um, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to this. But your thoughts on um, yeah. the, um, whether India is bigger than the Ashes, Dwayne? Thank you. Well, well our, our tours to India are rarer and our series against India are rarer than our series yeah. against England. So maybe in that regard, it has become... It's also been a frontier that we've never... Well, we very rarely have we ever conquered. Yeah, that's true. So that's the other... I mean, we've beat England in England a few times and it's been famous. Yeah. And we've had a lot of battles with England over time, John. But this is a rare one. To have a tour of India is rare and have a tour where we go over there with the lineup we've got, a chance to establish ourselves as the number one test cricket playing nation in the, world's, in the eyes of everybody. Because regardless of whether you go to England and beat England or have England come here and beat England, yeah. everybody still says you've got to go over to India and beat India. And everybody says about our individuals, go over and make runs in India against India on their pitches. Well, guess what? All our great batters are over in India, and the test is now. Uh, for Dave Warner, especially because he's been under the pump for a while maybe, but also for Steve Smith and Manus Labuschagne, some of the guys that have been able to do it before and do it under pressure before, Everyone's still watching them. What are you doing this time? What have you done for us lately? So I appreciate your <laughs> call as well, John. Great to have you on. Thanks, um, Thanks. Uh, More of your text. Uh, talk AFL, please. Uh, we will be. David King and Josh Gablich is going to join us later. Uh, pitches around the world are prepared for the home team, but I've never seen it done to this extent. Uh, it's only a photo we've seen, by the way. I mean, this test could still go four or five days. Uh, what the text goes on to say, it all shows me how much the Indians are scared of the Aussies and that they can't beat us. On their own. I appreciate that. Oh, the proof is going to be in the pudding. Um, Dwayne, I'm so over cricket and have zero interest in American sport and the Super Bowl. Much rather hear about AFL match sim sessions with Kingy and Josh Gabalich. Dom, appreciate your text as well, Dom. They'll be joining us a little bit later on. And one here. Uh, is this a setup? Hi, Dwayne. You watch the Cats train. What's your thoughts on who will captain them this year? Russ in Geelong. Russ, if you listen to the show on a regular basis, you know I always get whacked for giving Geelong a mention in the opening hour. So I'm not mentioning Geelong in the opening hour today, even though you've just maybe mentioned Geelong in the opening hour. Please do to come on the show. Ian Healy, not far from joining me. One here, I just love the word, how, how the word knob gets read out in the radio. Made my day. Thanks for that. Uh, hi, Dwayne. Just enjoy listening to the clowns complaining about the pitches. Keep them coming. Paul, well, there's going to be a lot more pitch talk in the next half hour. There was a lot of pitch talk earlier today after the photo of the Nagpur pitch was posted. Here's Simon O'Donnell on the pitch situation on SEN Breakfast pretty early today, about 7 o'clock. I, I think your advantage is played in your own country. Uh-huh. And, you're and the used conditions to playing, that come with that? You're, you're used to playing. But, but if, if in the four-day game between Bangalore and Hyderabad, um, Hyderabad had knocked over for 63, and you know that's happened 10 years in a row, and suddenly now, by, and it's by the pace bowlers who've taken all 10 wickets. And then suddenly the next test that's played at Hyderabad, or the, the first test that you played at Hyderabad, they open the bowling with um, Nathan Lyon and Todd Murphy. Well, that's, in my opinion, that's not playing to the characteristics of that pitch. 
And I think that's the important part. There's the characteristics of that pitch. So if that's low and slow every time you play there, you've got no problem. Mm. Absolutely zero problem. Just preparing it for the side that's touring to try and play to your strengths, I don't think is right. right. You know, the ICC should step in and do something about it if they think this is not right. And if they think those those pitches are not right, there, there'll be a, an ICC referee at the game and the ICC will be watching this as they always do, all, all these big test series. Has that they, they should step in and do something about it. But it's so many, you know, when it comes to India, it's just sort of, uh, you, know, you know, we have all these discussions, but nothing seems to happen. Mm. And, and so if, if they really think there's a case here of pitchers not playing to their uh, norm, to the normal standard you would want for test cricket and to the normal characteristics of that ground, the ICC need to do something. Simon O'Donnell on breakfast today. So uh, Steve Smith is going to be batting on it. He's had a look. He was pretty diplomatic, but here's what Steve Smith had to say to Barats and Duration on SEN as well. Pretty dry, uh, particularly one end, um, that I think will uh, take a bit of spin, um, particularly the left arm spinners spinning it back into our left-handers. Um, there's a section there that's quite dry. Um, other than that, I can't really get a good gauge on it. I'm not sure. I don't think there'll be a heap of bounce in the wicket. I think it'll be quite, for the seamers, quite skiddy um, and maybe a bit of up and down movement as the game goes on. Um, the cracks felt uh, quite loose. Um, so, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Um, we'll, we'll wait and see when we get out there. Steve Smith not whinging. Pretty diplomatic, Steve Smith. Uh, Ian Healy to join us after the 1 o'clock news. Hey, a couple of hours still to come, but a huge thank you to Zoe, who's leaving the station and has been a key contributor to this show for a few years now. Zoe, everyone loves you. We're going to miss you. I'd say we're going to miss your bubbly enthusiasm and your infectious character, but that would be underselling you. I'll specifically miss you because you're smart, and the reason you'll continue to be brilliant in this industry is because you're clever. Nothing beats a producer who knows what the show needs before it actually gets asked for or knows what a host like me wants before I even know I want it. So uh, we're going to miss you, Zoe, and uh, good luck. Great to have your company for Dwayne Sport for Master Builders Victoria. Want the best in industry training? Contact Master Builders Victoria. And we're here for Athena Home Loans. Pay down your home loan faster with Athena. Ian Healy not far away from joining me, SEN commentator and host of Patent Heels on SEN Queensland. He'll join us for a McCafe coffee catch-up. Head to a drive-through for the deluxe ice coffee range from McCafe. It's real coffee, real deluxe. A little bit later on in the program, David King and Josh Gablich, who've been at AFL team training sessions today. David King at Melbourne, so we'll have a chat to Kingy about some AFL a little later on. Plenty of people coming through on the greatest of all time basketball or discussion, given that LeBron will probably break the NBA all-time scoring record later today against Josh Giddey's OKC, if he scores 36 points, that is. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar holds that record with 38,387. Uh, a couple of texts that have come through. If you don't think LeBron deserves to be in the GOAT conversation, then you don't know basketball. Comparing eras in sport is always divisive. Just be happy we get to see these players in our lifetime. Thanks for that text. Um, high pipe, given the pitch condition, it's likely this test will move very quickly with Green's injury uh, you play the extra right-hand batter, Hanscom, and only four specialist bowlers, Cummins, Boland, Lyon, and Murphy. I reckon it's a risk, but if you win the toss, it's likely to be our only hope of winning. 
That's from Ross as well. Well, selection's got to be one thing I'll be asking Ian Healy shortly. Uh, finally, you played Scoob's common sense approach to this matter. Uh, Peter jumping on the, t- on the text to give me a whack for having a different opinion. Pete, I'm just looking at the pictures, the photos of the pitch. I'm not going to jump up and down and stamp the ground just based on seeing a photo of the pitch. I'm going to wait and see how it plays out. If it gives me five days of entertainment, if it gives me four and a half days of entertainment, then I'm taking that. So if it's over in three days, yeah, we can all jump up and down and say not good enough. But again, as I mentioned earlier, we in Australia have had pitches that have only lasted three days. I know it's a different excuse, but it's still about pitch preparation. And if we get four and a half days of entertainment, then um, we've got to be happy with that, surely. Uh, one of, out of all of the players in the GOAT conversation, none have played at the level LeBron has for as long as he has, and he doesn't look like slowing down at any time soon. That's another text that's come through. Uh, keep your text coming through. 0433981116 on that 40 Wings Temper text. 0433981116. Temper, T-E-M-P-U-R, Consumer's Choice Winner. Temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. And we'll take a call or two if you'd like to join me. one 736 That's on the Werribee Kia open line. Werribee Kia awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. And they're all down there. David, Janan, Aid, Jim, they're all down there. They'd love to see you if you're in the market for a new or used car. You can drop down to Werribee Kia and tell them we sent you. They'll well and truly look after you. Going to talk some footy a little bit later on. Haven't mentioned at all the fact that, well, Nat Five stepping down as Docker's captain. Did it late yesterday. Six years as captain. Second longest serving Fremantle captain behind Matthew Pavlich. He's a two-time Brownlow medalist, so as an individual player, he's arguably the best docker ever, arguably better than Pav, even though Pav captained the team to a grand final, was an absolute superstar. Uh, but if you've got a thought on that, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you want to talk a bit of footy, Andrew Brayshaw likely to take over as captain, but it's not, a, it's not locked in just yet, but it looks like that's going to be another captaincy change with Andrew Brayshaw being on the end of it. Still yet to find out Geelong's new captain, uh, Hawthorne's new captain, even though it seems like it's going to be James Sicily. Still yet to find out what Essendon are going to do with Dyson Heppel, and we expect, well, Sammy Edmund's been interesting in the last well, couple of days, talking about the thoughts that he thinks Dyson Heppel might be replaced, might stand down, but running out of time, really, and the Giants are the other one as to whether we end up getting a new captain or captains, whether they make an alteration. Looks like the Giants may be cutting it down from uh, three to two. Uh, Brad Sunderason uh, was on SEN Queensland a short time ago. Here's what he had to say about what he saw in the Nagpur pitch before Ian Healy joins us next. There was a lot of activity around the pitch. I mean, a lot of discussions between um, the, the senior management of the Indian team and uh, the captain, uh, the chairman, the senior player. I mean, there were many discussions with the curators. But uh, what I tweeted particularly, I mean, the pitches actually happened much later on, well, after the games had left. Um, I was ironically back there setting up our SEN kit, to be honest. And, uh, and it's, it's something that, like, you know, had been discussed and Steve Smith has spoken about some dry patches on the pitch as well. Um, uh, so I think it's, it, whatever they were doing was, uh, looked like they were doing to counter Australia playing so many left-handers. So what was basically happening is they were, the, the center of the pitch was water, uh, but not, uh, in the usual form. Uh, you know, they, they were using one of those, um, sprinklers, uh, the hand, handheld sprinklers that you would use to, 
uh, water from indoor plants, if that makes sense. Uh, so the center of the wicket was being watered, and also the area outside, what would be a, a right-handers off stump or a left-handers leg stump. Uh, but the areas outside the left-handers off stump, uh, where the rough is generally where the ball jumps at you, especially the left arm spin and bowling, those areas were left dry. And then subsequently when the roller came out, uh, they made sure to roll the, the center of the pitch, the one that had been uh, watered, but every time they reached a good length area, they just stopped short. So uh, it looked at least from where I was, and we had to also realize it was two days out from the test, that um, uh, there was what is some parts of India is called a selective watering, which has been done before, um, so that you have, I mean, you create some uh, natural rough, uh, even before the test starts, so that once the pass goal is running on the spot, uh, that those those parts of the pitch do start to break up and, and really cause a, a major issue if you're in a tennis battle. Brett's and Rayson, part of the SEM broadcast team, part of the overall team that keeps bringing us great coverage of world sport. Ian Healy, also part of that team, SEN commentator and host of Patton Heels on SEN Queensland. Joining us for a McCafe coffee catch-up, head to a drive-through for the deluxe iced coffee range from McCafe. It's real coffee, real deluxe. Ian, great to have you on. Thanks a lot for joining me. Yeah, no worries, Ryan. Lovely to be with you. Um, I'm confused. Are you? Well, I am, although I'm an Australian, so I know what it's like to have that part of the lawn that you don't water because the ho- hose doesn't reach it. <laughs> yeah, good call. Is that, is that their problem, do you think? They, they mightn't be able to get the hose right out there. Um, yeah, yeah, but they, they seem to be pretty worried about our left-handers by the sound of it. I've, I've seen a photograph. I'm not sure they went far enough. I, I don't, they're going to be bowling very full which um, I, I don't think they've entered the, even the five-foot mark. So anyway, or past the five-foot mark. So it remains to be seen. You know, we've, we've uh, managed to muck up a couple of wickets here in Australia of recent times. So th- these, these guys seem to be very deliberate by the description of Barat. We'll see what happens with it. So if we do get four and a half days of cricket with it, regardless of whether it's, you know, it's, a, it's treacherous and it gives us problems or not, is that... What's the definitive point that you can say, well, this pitch wasn't good enough, or the ICC will say, oh, this pitch wasn't right? Uh, oh, yes, it's a good question. I, I don't know whether it, uh, it won't just be the pitch that makes a game go a certain distance. It might be poor batting or extremely good bowling. That that would always come into consideration. But, um, but yeah, I'd say into the fifth day uh, would be enough, and it'll be a great game if it goes that long. It'd be really good. Um, so um, I think um, all I don't want to see is really wild spin and ba- uneven bounce in the early stages of a five-day match. Um, in 2016-17, we saw that twice in the series, and it, it was just unreasonable spin and uh, and too early in a match. So you know I don't I'm I'm not too traditional to know it has to be textbook. You know, good for batting, then deteriorating slowly and spinning. And towards the end, and then very uneven at the end. But um, I'd, I'd like to see um, some some quality quality batting time, even if if it is a touch tough, and the ball being quite consistent for two days at least. So, have you ever seen a pitch like this? It's only an allegation right now that they're not watering all of it. But have you ever seen a pitch like this? You've been, I understand, you're heading over to India at some stage during the series. And um, have you have you when you've got to India? In past, has there been times where you've and you'd have had to keep on them? So I'm presuming yeah, it's even right. more difficult 
for a keeper than a batter. Uh, no, not really, because the keeper hasn't got to try to score runs. <laughs> you just have to defend <laughs> and catch the thing, and you've got another metre or metre and a half on the batsman to watch what does happen. Um, so so it's no, not as hard as batting. Um, no, I have I seen the pitch like this? Not really. I've, the, parts of this pitch look excellent to me. Like, I've never seen a, uh, an Indian wicket or a Pakistani wicket look so so grass-covered in spots. So that, that's a good sign. Um, the ground looks nice and green, which is good. Um, so it just remains to be seen. I've seen a lot worse wickets than this, but all over, you know, and, and, that seemed, that, and they played pretty well. They, you know, Indian and Pakistani wickets used to play quite well, even though they were hard to score on. And then they, they spun quite a bit, but it was pretty consistent spin, you know. It, it might be, a, it, it wouldn't jump at you or, or you know, stay really low as well as spin until very late in the match. So, it, you know, the a traditional Indian and Pakistani pitches, very good to play cricket on. You can bat well early and push the, push the game along, put some pressure on the bowlers, and then it gets harder and harder to score runs. Got an 11. You've got penciled in. Who do you think will play? Well, <laughs> the only, my, my query is, do we want a left-hander or a right-hander at six? That, that's the key. Like Either Renshaw or Hanscom can do that. Does Andrew McDonald and, and George Bailey have a preference? That that person would get it, right? So, And I think it'll be, in my team, it would be Swepson and uh, Lyon as the two spinners. Boland and Cummins as the two quicks, and of course we make use good use of uh, Renshaw if he plays, and Travis Head and Marnus Labuschagne, and maybe even Steve Smith could roll the arm over. So that, that's what I'd be doing. I, I think it would be harsh uh, not to pick Swepson, uh, even though Agar might give us a little more with the bat, but our tail has to sort of hang around. That's for sure. So what makes you put? Swepson in ahead of well, Todd Murphy and Agar, especially who played in Sydney. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't quite understand the Sydney move, right, of Ash and Agar going in there. Um, I'm putting Swepson in there because he's the incumbent. He, he did uh, tour Pakistan and Sri Lanka last year and would have learned a lot. He, he had some good days as well. Um, and, and now it's his chance to show what he's learned. And, and if it doesn't come through, you don't have to go back to him. So uh, that's that's my reasoning on Swepson. Um, Ashenagar in Sydney didn't didn't um, put impress anyone. So so there's I'm not sure that he's um, you know he's earned the, the right that Swepson has to be in this team, um, having done two tours of the subcontinent. Murphy and Lyon I worry about because there's no Stark and it seems like they're cultivating that side of the right-handed pitch. Um, that, that they're going to try to keep it nice and posh. Um, and Mitchell Stark normally runs right through there and provides uh, great traction for our off-spinners. So I'm, I'm worried about one off-spinner, let alone two, uh, that isn't going to turn it back into uh, the right-handed Indians. And when you get too straight to the Indians, they just love it. They lap it up. We know that the Ashes series are always epic, always have been, always will be. We had a caller earlier on talking about the fact that this seems to carry more weight now, winning a series in India. They're rarer, and winning in India is rarer. Does it carry more weight individually and as a, as a team touring India to win? Well, this team's in the middle of both. You, you know, mm. 
in my era, we didn't, we weren't defeated in an England series, in an Ashes series. So we won six in a row. And so the, the, the real cricketing challenge of that time was the West Indies. So we finally uh, cracked the West Indies after many attempts. Um, after their team, their really classy, legendary team had to change a touch. So, um, but this, this group are in the middle of two great challenges and they're in back-to-back in one year. So, uh, you know, the, I, was, I love the fact that they sort of said this is as important as an Ashes to us, that they're starting it on the back foot with three serious bowlers not even available to play. That's Green, Stark and Hazelwood. Probably, probably Hazelwood wasn't going to play the first test anyway, so, but Green certainly would have been handy. Um, so they've, they've got an even... They're making an even bigger challenge for themselves, this one, and then on to England, which we haven't won since 2001. So both both cycles need changing, and they've got a chance to do it this year. Where have you seen Dave Warner's summer, and where do you think he's at? I mean, are you confident that he's going to be a star for us in India? Worried that he might not be, and the one 200 that he made was was the outrider, outlier. Yeah, he, he's been passive, right? And he he when he really knuckles down and and puts his mind to it, um, he he seems to be able to get it done. Now, that's a sign of him ageing because he, he just took that for granted. He just rolled around the world making runs. So he's now really got to work. And, and that starts to irritate you as a, a, an ageing cricketer that you have to work so hard. You have to work as hard at the end of your career as you did when you were a rookie. And, and here we go again. This, this is not supposed to be that hard. So, so yeah, he, if, he gets, if he gets in that frame of mind, he, he'll do it. He's got... He's got the ability to uh, prosper over there. He can use his feet. He can lay back on cuts. He can work off his pads. He's got he's got everything. He's just he's really got to switch on and be switched on. So yes, I, I, although I'm a little worried about all of them, you know, <laughs> it's a very difficult challenge. This, if India play three spinners, it's bad enough there, but they're talking four, and that would mean Kuldeep, the the tricky left arm uh, unorthodox bowler, coming in, and he's had a good record against Australia, so. So this is really, really hard. And, um, you know, make the most of any start you get. If you get to 20 not out, oh, you better be a rock and be very, very difficult to get out from there. And that's what happened in 2004. A lot of batsmen contributed scores of 50, 70. There was a couple of 90, 99 and a 97 in the one innings. Um, and every now and then someone got over the line and, and made 150 or, or 100 at least. So but you've got a gang of batters, a good gang and really gang up on this bowling attack as often as you can. So, have you got a serious prediction or is that too hard because there is so much unknown? <laughs> yeah, it's impossible. So it's just throwing out no words, you know. Um, mm. I, I think India deserve their favouritism if they, I don't even know that they are favourites actually, but mm. they should be favourites uh, because their, their familiarities with whatever conditions are thrown up. Um, they're, they're much more comfortable batting against spin as well as bowling it. Um, and so that's why we'll be the underdog for sure, but plenty of underdogs get up, you know. So I, I think our you know, our fight and our heart will be key and we'll, we'll know pretty soon into this series just how up for this contest the, the Australians are. Um, I, I think there's an ageing aging aspect to the Indian batting um, with Roa Chama and Virakohli and Pujara so, you know, can we expose that nice and early? Um, there's, there's plenty we can do to that Indian batting side up.
lineup. Two to one of our all-time greats, Ian Healy, who's part of the SEN team, host of Patton Heels on SEN Queensland from a cafe coffee catch-up. Hey, a couple of quick ones, Ian, before I let you go. Um, Aaron Finch, his retirement, uh, his greatness as an entertainer and a white ball specialist more so. And who could be the next T20 captain, do you think? Oh, well, let's not uh, just gloss over Finchy. He's been great. He's really stabilised Australia in those formats and I was really pleased that he got the T20 World Cup uh, under his belt by the end. Um, he was just loved by his team. And uh, so he should be pretty chuffed today, sitting back and retired from international cricket after that career. Um, I, I like... I see that he said um, a white ball specialist might make a good captain, so that might be a Maxwell... Um, but let, let's see how Maxie comes back from that leg injury, that broken leg. Um, I'd like. Well, there was a few thrown up, and they're all pretty good. Um, uh, who else has he thrown up? Do I know? I've forgotten. He said Steve Smith. He said someone else who was a pretty good option too. So yeah, I think I, that I think there's, think there's a couple shape. of new guys coming through that could be the next thing. We're not we're not talking another T20 Australian T20 till August or September. So. There's an opportunity to, to grab someone on the way up as opposed to someone who's been there already for a while? Oh, it was Ashton Turner was the yeah, other one I was, I was looking for. He would make an ideal player and captain um, for an Australian team. So, so yeah, and you, are you talking September this year? Yeah. yeah. It, it's um, in India, isn't it? It's back in India, is that right? Uh, a little bit later than that, I think it is, October, November. So, mm. um, uh, yeah, that, that is the challenge for the Australian T20 team especially, that they just don't play as many internationals as you know, 50 over games. So I think we'll be really safe. I'm, I'm much more confident in the specialists that are playing in our domestic level that could make a, could make a really good uh, Australian team from. Um, and it might take a lot of pressure off some three-format players at times. Hey, speaking of domestic stuff, this is probably a question without notice you weren't thinking of asking you might not be able to answer me because you're involved in Queensland cricket, but a bit of talk about a, a new BBL franchise somewhere in Australia. Second team in Queensland's been mentioned on my show Ooh. quite a bit. Right, oh, no, geez, I haven't heard that. Oh, oh, we, we certainly haven't heard of that uh, up here. Um, yeah, the problem with it is there's no real place. You know, North Queensland would be uh, the spot, but the, the capacities of any grounds that are up there just wouldn't make owning a franchise um, profitable. And you can't just expand and lose dough all the time. So um, I would love... And then if we could move them around to goal, you could play one home game at Gold Coast, one in uh, Cairns. But there, there, there's a lot of costs involved in that. You know, Mackay are building an arena up there, but it's only a 5,000 type, 5 to 10,000 seater. Um, no, I haven't, haven't heard of it. Uh, expansion has been off the table. So if they want it back on, I think it's a good thing. Great to have you in. Really look forward to uh, hearing more of you over the course of the rest of the summer. Such a big series coming up in India, but then, as you mentioned, a huge series with the Ashes coming up straight after that. So a lot of cricket coming your way. It's great to have you part of SEN's commentary team. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. One of our all-time greats, Ian Healy from McCafe Coffee Catch-Up. Head to a drive-through for the deluxe iced coffee range from McCafe. It's real coffee, real deluxe. Back to your calls after the break. One three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Dwayne Healy seems like the only considered opinion I've heard talking about the pitch.
Uh, that's from Paul. Thanks for that. Quite a few complimentary about getting Ian Healy on. Should have him on more. Of course, we should have him on more, but he's got a lot of commitments as it is with his own show to host. I didn't know I was going to be playing football until you know, a couple of years ago. So this, this is amazing. It's an amazing achievement, and I'm, I'm honoured, man. Honoured to be here. You know, my goals and, and dreams are a bit different to all my teammates. You know, they've been playing this sport since they were young kids, and for me, it just it just started five years ago, so I, I don't know who I'd dedicate it to. Probably my parents probably be the safest answer, but, um, yeah, probably my parents. It's only just begun, still writing the story, just trying to do my best, man, every day, put my best foot forward, and, you know, whatever happens, happens. Whatever gets written is, is, is done. And uh, hopefully I can walk away from this sport and uh, leave a legacy that I'm proud of and uh, something that will stay in America forever. The voice of Jordan Maialata, who's been on the station a couple of times, been on Jared Waitley's program a couple of times. He's from New South Wales. He's playing in the Super Bowl for Philadelphia. And Phil Murphy from ESPN's Sports Center. ESPN's coverage of Super Bowl 57 is live from 9am Monday and has been good enough to join me about a whole heap of American sports, starting with the Super Bowl. Welcome to you, Phil. Great to have you on. Uh, it's great to chat to you again. Yeah, it is the uh, the crowning week in American sport and even the NBA breaking through on some headlines. So it's, it's all happening right now. It's a really exciting time to you know watch sport going on in this side of the world. So LeBron's scoring record, or the, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar scoring record, could be broken by LeBron a little bit later on. Is that where everybody's focus is, uh, is, is now on this afternoon in about two hours' time, taking away from the Super Bowl for about 10 minutes? Yeah, thereabouts. I mean, most of the Super Bowl conversation today has, has taken a pause because it is late night here. You know, I live about an hour and a half from New York City, and it's coming up on 10 p.m., which is when LeBron tips off uh, against the Oklahoma City Thunder, and he needs just 36 points to become the leading scorer all time in the NBA. It's a record that does mean something. Um, you know, sometimes some of these American sports marks, like if I asked you who has the most, I don't know, receiving yards in NFL history, sometimes they may not carry the same weight. NBA scoring leader does carry weight. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has more MVPs than anybody, Michael Jordan included. It, it speaks to LeBron's longevity, consistency, and, and even him coming up in an era in which scoring was down. He developed his jump shot. He could break the record today, and, and worst case, if he doesn't, 36 points is quite a bit for one evening. It, he'll break it in the Lakers' next home game, which is coincidentally against the Bucks, who it, Kareem played much of his, his career with them, and he would be in attendance uh, for both games, but to do it against Kareem's team, I think, would be apropos. So you can't, we always say, you can't compare eras and um, the, the greatest of all time debate bores some people, but at the same time, as a sport broadcaster, the comparisons are, are such a big thing we enjoy having. We enjoy having these debates. So are you sick of the LeBron compared to MJ debate just yet, or are you loving it as much as ever? In, in some ways, yes, I, I am sick of it because it is kind of, uh, it, it, I don't want to say it's low-hanging fruit, but it is a default conversation to which there is no right answer, as you mentioned. There's a lot of ammunition on both sides of that of those uh, of those lines, and with good reason. They're both such terrific players, and they are 1-1A all time, but it does speak to their collective greatness that it, it's just those two who are in the conversation, and all the people and all the guys who have played this game at such a high level it always comes down to those two. And LeBron will never have Michael Jordan's perfect 6-0 and record in the finals. But LeBron has been to more finals. And now LeBron's looking to do things that are without precedent. He, no one's ever played with their son 
in an NBA game. And LeBron is terrific longevity. His son could be in the NBA in as little as two seasons. And LeBron has the ability, and he said as such, that wherever his son is drafted, he's keen to go play there and play his final season or seasons with his eldest son. In a matter of hours or a matter of days, he'll stand alone as the all-time scoring leader. He already has the scoring mark if you include regular season and playoff games. So he's, he's soaking up the accolades he can. And on top of all of that, he's hungry to get another championship or two. He's still playing at, at a level in which other stars do want to play with him. So whether it's the Lakers bulking up before the deadline, the trade deadline, which is in two days' time, or LeBron after this season or after next going elsewhere, he does have the capacity to contribute to a championship team. Even though he is in his career twilight, he's putting up scoring numbers that we really haven't seen from him. So he's redefining his game. It's it's a conversation you can have. So, yeah, in one sense, I'm sick of it. But in another sense, I totally understand it. And it is a conversation with some nuance. So the father-son circus, if you like, would be a showstopper for any team to have. How good is Bronny? We've been talking about him coming out here to the NBL and playing a season in the NBL. Is he, he's guaranteed to get drafted, is he? Well, that, that is the, the assumption that he would be a first-round pick, though he's not... Victor Wenbanyama, the, the young young man out of Paris who's going to come in and be another transcendent superstar. And it's kind of unfair because if, if Bronny James were named, you know, Bronny Haskins and had no relation to LeBron James whatsoever, he'd be seen as a high-level university prospect who has the opportunity to go play abroad in a top-tier league like the NBL. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of guys go through LaMelo Ball uh, amongst, amongst the number. Josh Giddy, you know, growing up in – in Australia, and instead of going to the American College route, going to the Adelaide 36ers, now he's hit the ground running in the NBA. Bronny James would be a candidate to do that, and then he'd be he'd come on and he'd have a few good seasons in the NBA, maybe be a fringe all-star at his peak. But being LeBron James's son, it's kind of unfair to say, oh, well, that's a disappointment, because anybody else, that'd be such a raving success for a, an aspiring professional athlete. The pressure on him, and LeBron has said he kind of regrets having his son, Bronny, be LeBron Jr. because of the added weight that name carries. Um, but we always knew it was going to be the, the surname James to, to whom that would belong. And um, it seems like the young man, Bronny, has, has really been mature through the process, grown up before his time, and it's enabled him to go out and play basketball at a high level. He will be a high-level recruit, whether it is professionally or in the university system, and he's very likely to be in the NBA in two to three years' time. Now, whether his dad can stay fit and hang on, it, it seems like all signs point to yes. And as just a neutral basketball fan, I would love to see it. Who wins Monday? <laughs> I'm leading the Chiefs, the slightest of underdogs. Just their core of players has been here before. And, and while Philly has been so dominant in the playoffs, and I know I'm disappointing a lot of people. You mentioned uh, Jordan Mailata's connection to the, the, the South Sydney Rabbitohs and, and Aaron Sipos, their punter, his, his AFL connections. I still think at their absolute peak this season, the Chiefs have been marginally more scary than the Eagles. And the fact that their quarterback and, and coach and tight end and so many of their core contributors have been at the stage before – in what should be a close, competitive, high-scoring game, I lean Kansas City. But if we're all watching it, you know, Monday morning on ESPN and, and the Eagles are ahead by a touchdown and they close it out, nobody should be surprised. They have been utterly terrific this season. They've only lost one game in which Jalen Hurts has started. So that's, that's a nice thing. We have a nice sampling of the two best teams in the NFL all season, 
and they meet for 60 minutes of game time in Phoenix with, with truly the world watching. Um, it, it should be a high, high-level game, no matter if you've followed the NFL all season on NFL Blitz and our programming or not. If this is the first game you've watched all year, it should be highly entertaining. Patrick Mahomes, a lot of people are talking about him maybe one day being one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time. He's got all the weapons, um, but he needs to win another one, doesn't he? And how's his ankle? Yeah, well, it, it seems as though his ankle is, is, is certainly better than it was in the AFC Championship game, and it was good enough. He had a couple moments in which he needed to plant off his right foot where he came up a little bit lame, but he was able to stay in the game, and Kansas City was able to kind of game plan around his comparative lack of mobility i mean he's hard he's hardly a house plant back there but you know they wanted to protect the ankle and, and keep him in the game for those 60 minutes the added week off has certainly helped patrick mahomes he doesn't have a brace anymore the ankle will be heavily taped but it is american football you, any tackle any awkward tackle may further compromise it but truly nobody's fully fit this time of the season but in talking about his legacy yes i mean it, it, everybody is now going to be compared to the newly retired again tom brady and patrick mahomes it's going to be how many rings did he win he's at an age in, at 27 he's, he's soon to win his second mvp if he has two championships and two most valuable player awards in 27 listen he has a long way to go to catch brady anybody does but that's a really good start out the blocks to be that young that smart, that accomplished, that gifted, and, and, and to have yet another Super Bowl ring, he will be atop the NFL world as we head into next season with the expectation that there are several more to come. And one last one. I've been to LA a few times, New York a few times. I was lucky enough to be in Miami a couple of years ago for the Super Bowl, but I've never been to Philly. And it seems like it's got that Aussie tribalism, that Aussie passion um, in Philly, the sports fan here often does have for his team. Can you explain Philadelphia to us? Yeah, I mean, I'll explain it as best I can. I mean, I've, I haven't, you know, grown up in in Melbourne or Sydney or anything like that. But I remember being in in Melbourne and kind of bouncing around different parts of town. There was a lot of pride in you know Richmond versus you know other areas of town. Um, and Philly has that same element to it. But when it comes down to it, there is that collective. No, we are Philadelphia. You know, Philadelphia, the Greek origin, the city of brotherly love, and they have as passionate and as demanding a fan base as we have here in the United States. You could say New York rivals it, but every New York sport or every sporting code has multiple teams in New York, whereas Philly, there's only the Eagles. There's only the Flyers in the NHL. There's only the Sixers in the NBA. uh, There's only the Phillies in Major League Baseball. The NFL is far and away king here. I mean, it's it's not like, you know, in, in New South Wales where, you know, a lean towards rugby, whereas, you know, in, in Victoria, you know, certainly Aussie rules. The NFL is king everywhere here, and there's only one team in Philly. So you have as passionate a fan base as any, their team, their pride. They won the Super Bowl five years ago for the first time, and they've done a complete rebuild, and they're back in five years. It's very impressive. Fly, Eagles, fly. If you are from... Anywhere in that tri-state area, that is the only team you barrack for is the Eagles. They're going to be loud and, and passionate in and around Arizona. I know I know, number of Philly fans who are making the cross-country flight. I mean, it is the distance from, from Sydney to Perth is the distance from Philadelphia to Phoenix. They're making the, the flight just to be in town, just to be around, not to go to the game, but to just take it in and be in the vicinity should they win in Phoenix. It's going to be a party and – 
And what, the nice thing about this, and I wouldn't sell it to them, even if they don't win this weekend, they certainly want to and hope to and expect to, the way that team is structured, they should be back uh, next year or the year mm-hmm. thereafter. They have a young core. They have a young quarterback who will be paid this offseason. Don't get me wrong, but all the reason for confidence that this is the first of uh, potentially a couple trips for the Eagles in the next half decade or so. Phil, great to have you on ESPN's coverage of Super Bowl 57 live from 9 a.m. Monday. Thanks for joining me for Dwayne Sport. Dwayne Sport for Master Builders Victoria. Want the best in industry training? Contact Master Builders Victoria. And for Athena Home Loans, pay down your home loan faster with Athena. Bit of AFL coming not far away from joining me, but Josh Gablich also is on the line, afl.com.au reporter. Been to a couple of training sessions this week. Uh, Josh, great to have you on. Thanks for joining me. Great to be with you, Dwayne. Yes, we're getting closer to round one, and you can feel it when you see a lot more familiar faces at training like I saw at Melbourne this morning. Yeah, so talk us through. Kingy was there as well, so I'll have a deep dive with him shortly. But you're at Melbourne training today. I understand North Melbourne also trained today. Yep, North Melbourne trained today. Essendon trained today. Richmond earlier in the week. I think a lot of clubs are now getting their community camps done. So we're st- certainly getting closer to these practice matches, which are now really a fortnight away. Hmm. So what did you learn today and what have you learned this week so far? Um, injuries become a big talking point and who's not on the track almost as important as sort of talking who's, who's on the track and impressing. Well, in terms of Melbourne, Dwayne, I mean, I've spent a, about three or four sessions down there across the start of this year and Cosmic Bigot is the one that always attracts your attention. A little bit like CJ, when you go out and watch Hawthorne train, you can't not watch Cosy Pickett and there's going to be a heap of talk around him this year given his contract status and especially on the back of what happened with Luke Jackson last year and that'll play out across the next few months but one thing we'll see with Cosy Pickett across the pre-season and across this year is much more time in the middle I've written about this for afl.com.au and I've seen him play three or four match sim sessions now playing as a midfielder I expect him to pinch hit there throughout the year and they've been thrilled with his pre-season I mean he's done a lot of work on his conditioning come back in, in really good shape and, and just provides a, a bit of spark around the ball. I mean, this gives them a, an, an added layer alongside Petrarca and Oliver and Viney and, and these types. So I think we can expect to see Cosy play a lot more through the middle this year and he's been a standout in that area across the summer. Yeah, I think we're going to see the extension of midfield rotations uh, across the board. That's one thing I think we have been hearing over the pre-season sessions. Uh, wingman coming in, half forwards and forward pockets have always come into the centre square for a few ball ups. In the old days, you know the two Ruck Rovers would change in a forward pocket and not even come to the bench. But we're now seeing half back flankers and back pockets going in for a couple of ball ups. Uh, you know guys like uh, Maynard's going to be in there for Collingwood. Pendles did it a bit like uh, a bit last year and it was successful. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that aspect as well. North Melbourne injury scare as well for one of their co-captains. I understand. Yeah, that's right. Riley Beveridge has reported this for au that Jai Simkin left match him today with a hamstring issue. It sounds like it's more tightness and a bit of a precautionary rather than a strain. So obviously with these practice matches just around in the corner, you don't want to lose players. We've seen all the issues at Carlton and St Kilda across the past couple of months with injuries. So it would be a blow for North Melbourne, but it sounds like it's, it's a, just a scare. So nothing to be concerned about right now at North. How serious the Trent Cotchin forward for Richmond? You're at Richmond training as well. and I presume we're going to see more of Dustin Martin forward than in the middle? I think we will see Dusty a lot more forward this year. I mean, on the back of, of getting Tim Taranto and Jacob Hopper to the club and, and also keeping Jack Graham. We can't forget him. I mean, they, kept, they wanted to keep him and they kept him in the end. So I think we'll see Dustin Martin 
play a lot more forward. We'll see that, I think, through these practice matches at the end of this month. Trent Cotchin's another one who actually had a really good year. If you think back to last year, came sixth in the best and fairest. But he had spent a bit of time forward. He trained as a midfielder on Monday. But I think the plan is to spend him to, for him to spend a bit more time forward this year, just with the additions of Taranto and Hopper. It's just sort of managing their list. But I think with the way Dustin Martin's trained across the summer, it's a, it's a huge plus for, for Richmond heading into this year. The big story today, footy-wise, has been Tony Cochran confirming he's going to stand down as Gold Coast chairman. What do you read into that? We've heard him at his press conference. We heard him with Jared Waitley earlier today. Is there anything you're reading into it that hasn't been said yet? I don't think so. I think, I mean, Tony Cochran is, is must-listen. Every time he speaks, he's very, very entertaining. I'm sure you've covered that off today. I just think it was time. I think he's done a, a big job there. It's a, a bit of a thankless task at time at an expansion club in the Queensland market. And I think... He's provided a, a, a big voice for them for a long time. It's going to be big shoes to fill. I don't know where they go in terms of, of filling the void there with, with Tony Cochran. But I haven't always agreed with what he's had to say, but he's always had a, a really big voice, which is important for a club just trying to establish themselves. Josh, great to have you on. Always great to be able to pick your brain. I appreciate you jumping on on a weekly basis. All of Josh's stuff is up on afl.com.au. It's worth a, a check out. And if you haven't got anything on there, at the moment that uh, entices you to read the whole article about your specific club, then I'm always looking a couple of hours because they're adding new stuff all the time. Josh, great to have you on the program and I uh, appreciate it. No dramas, Dwayne. Chat soon. Josh Gavlich from afl.com.au. David King from Fox Footy and a little station called SEN has been good enough to join me as well ahead of... Uh, have you got a big fireball Friday coming, Kingy, or are you not on either with the, with the cricket? Welcome back to you. No, well, I'm I'm, a, I'm not aware that we're not on, so I'll just turn right. up as normal, Dwayne, and uh, yeah, I'm sure Corns will have plenty to say. He will have plenty to say, and last week was it was a ripper show. I've replayed a bit of the stuff from last week's show, to be honest. So, always great to have you on. Always great to have you at training. So, let's deep dive a little deeper on Melbourne's match sim today. Who wasn't out there? Who looked good? Who's flying? Who's not moving quite as quickly as some of the others? Uh, who wasn't out there? I, well, there's a few that weren't. I mean, there's a couple that are, that are off the track for no great. Uh, there's no great alarm. Guys who have sort of rested and managed, like guys like Viney and, and, and uh, a couple of others, but no, nothing that's uh, a major concern at the minute. Uh, Smith's obviously on the sidelines, but they're not greatly concerned about those players just yet. Um, but gee, they, I, mean, I know we talk about Melbourne a lot. Uh, their training is incredibly contested. They, have, they they do ball movement drill after ball movement drill, and it's uh, it's full rap power. Yeah, we saw a couple of big clashes today, and you just close your eyes and hope that uh, I think it was uh, Hibbard was one big clash, Petrarca was another, uh, Cozy Pickett was 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 uh, involved in another body on body hit that you just don't like to see. But I guess you've got to, you've got to experience this stage of the. Of the the preparation, uh, but they all got up and played on, and and uh, it was only Hibbert that went and did some running after that. So there's no there's no rest, Wayne. If you, if you come off injured these days, you start a running program. So best to keep playing, I reckon. Any indicator as to how the Gorn Grundy tandem thing is going to work? Who's going to play forward more? Is there is either of them being trialled as a forward more than the other? I was interested to hear Josh Junkley the other day. He quite a bit when players change clubs, it's a bit of a shock to the system. Not all pre-seasons are the same. So how's that working with Grundy now there? 
Yeah, he's an interesting one, Brody. He's, you know, you, you watch him in the, in all the, the running drills and, and, and those sorts of things. You don't expect that he's going to be at the, the front of the pack by any stretch, being a ruckman and those sorts. But it does it does strike you how far away he is from probably the average uh, Melbourne player or Melbourne runner. Um, that includes you know, Gorney and, and, and the other ruckman and the other tools. So I think it's probably been a bit of a shock to Brody's system just how... Uh, just how hard Melbourne go at everything. Um, I don't know whether he's gifted in terms of the long distance running or not, but it is a bit of a shock to the system to see him um, separated from those guys. But in in terms of where they're going to play, there's still no real um, idea given from Simon Goodwin. They were in different opposing teams today, uh, not necessarily playing ruck against one another. Uh, Brody played a little bit forward and then Max... Um, play a little bit forward as well. So it's just going to be a, a wait and see for all of us. And we, to be honest, we may not even know until deep in the season. I think the, the way that Simon Goodwin uses these two in, at the pointy end of, the, of uh, September, it may, it may be something he keeps up his sleeve until deep in the year. I don't think we'll see the finished product or even the, the finished plan in rounds, you know, one to six. It's a bit of a... Uh, a bit of a, a must-watch for all of us, and we'll, we'll wait and see. It's been interesting to see Geelong do it with the, the two rucks. We know that Blitzhouse can go into the middle as a ruck rover on occasion, and we're hearing that Fremantle might do something similar with Darcy and Jackson. And we know that, well, hearing Kyle Langford the other day on this program, sounded like Draper might be you know the number one ruck as he is, but sounds like Cox might be a chance to be in the middle as well. Um, but... Yeah, how often do you do you think there's an evolution of the game there at all? Because six foot six guys can now run like the wind and be great additions to a midfield. Well, I don't know whether you can have Gorn in there as a, as an on baller and, and Max uh, again. Mm. You know, we 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 haven't seen that before, and they're probably blessed for great contested players as it is with Petrarca, Viney, uh, Brayshaw, who may have to go to half back, but. It may be an on-baller given that Salem has just uh, got the thyroid issue. And obviously, Clayton Oliver is probably the best contested possession player in the game. So, you know, you're going to have to move one of those guys out to try and get a little bit tricky with what you're doing. But I think what we will see with Melbourne is a first to play some younger talent. They've been a pretty settled lineup for the last 30 or 40 games now. Um, and I think there's a bit of a, there's a push on to, to get uh, some more exposure to guys like you know Chandler, um, I think Sparrow's another one we've talked a couple of times about on this show. I think Bailey Laurie is someone they, they're keen to, to look at, really explore a little bit more of um, Jake Bowie, what, what, what he can do. Can he do more than just be a halfback flanker for this team? So I think those guys will get opportunity. And they're still talking, obviously, about last year's pickups in uh, Blake Howes and, and, and Tajwo Woden. You know, they, they're performing really well in their... Um, you know, I mean, just to match him stuff. So we're waiting to see. But it is getting very close now. So there's there's a, probably a couple of big practice matches upcoming and we'll probably finalise what their 22 will look like. But I wouldn't be shocked if there were three to four uh, fresh faces in terms of what they've had on the list the last couple of years that hasn't had great exposure and then add Lockie Hunter and add Brody Grundy into that. Heard you and Kane Collins talking about the injury factor. You had David Butterfin on your show as well. There are a few going down. Now, we expect a few to go down pre-season, but if it's a guy who's gone down before pre-season, like a Jake Stringer, it brings more worry 
for a fan if it's a guy who that's uh, a consistent theme? Yeah, it, it damages your ability to use those players where, you, where you'd like to. I'm, you know, Brad Scott will have an, an idea of what he wants to do with Jake. You know, is there midfield minutes involved? Does he like the idea of that, you know, that centre forward player who plays on ball then, then goes forward? Um, it's something that probably really wasn't even in the game uh, when, when Brad was last coaching. So that's there's an evolution of the game as to what has happened and whether Brad wants to come with that. Um, can you use Jake in that role if he doesn't have the, the, the scope, the fitness level of, of other players that he's going to be going to be up against? And you know, It's all a learning curve and maybe Essendon aren't at the pointy end of, of, of the conversation at the moment. They're not, uh, they're not tipped to be a contender this year. So does that change what you want to do in terms of developing uh, those other midfield types up? I'm not, I'm not sure. But I, what I do know is you cannot miss two to three weeks at this stage of the season. I was down in Richmond during the week. They look incredibly healthy. Um, most of the talent that they that they need to be on the track in that high volume running are certainly doing that. I know we're waiting on Tommy Lynch to get back uh, get back out there and, and, and join the main group. Uh, and obviously Jack Graham was doing some laps with him. Presti was being managed with an inch of his life, given his injury history uh, over the last few years. But they've got a whole host of flanker-type players that, that I think will get... Uh, it's very difficult to work out what Richmond's midfield's going to look like, and the talk's all about Cochin going forward. But I think when you pick up Hopper and, and Taranto, you've already got Bolton, Prestia, you know, Short can go in there, Martin can go in there, Baker can go in there, Pickett plays wing. Um, you've got Ross, you've got Sonzi is a player that I think's got incredible upside and a fantastic uh, back half of the season. So you have to find other spots for these players. So the talk's been about Cochin going forward. Why not spin the discussion and say, how powerful and how deep can Richmond's midfield be? Yeah, well, I suppose it was Jack Rewatt's quote that everybody jumped off with uh, Trent yeah. Coleman quote. Uh, we all jumped off that, but uh, maybe it wasn't a fire that he was intending to feed. He just happened to throw a match on it and up it went because it's Trent Cochin and it's Richmond, which explodes the talk back lines, which is fun for me. Um, Andy Brayshaw, going to be Frio's next captain. Is that uh, just going to happen? That's it? Uh, you'd think so. I mean, he's, he's an incredibly popular player and a bullish performer who's, who's delivering at the, at the highest levels. Um, it's it's going to be a fascinating watch. It's, it's always a difficult transition when you go from a player of the, the superstar factor of Nathan Fife to an emerging captain. I find that... that Really fascinating, that transition period. Um, is the player ready for that step up? You know, do, do they just continue on? Do they try and change their own game because they've now got the captaincy tag? Uh, you move Fife out of that midfield forward. What does that do to his form? Um, and does it just expose that next level of play? You know, to have them ready to go, to have them ready to replace a guy that's been at the pointy end of... Um, the clearance contest for years, for the best part of a decade. So it's a challenge for all clubs that they have to go to at some stage, but not many hands from the level of Fife to that next player. It's going to be another fascinating watch. Absolutely. And where do you think Essendon will go? Keep Dyson Hebel as captain or make a change there? Uh, I think they'll make a change. I think it's a good time to make a change, given that um, I think they're going to ask less of Dyson. 
Uh, I think Zach Merritt would be the, the logical choice there because of his his CV and what he's done for the Essendon Football Club in terms of performance. But I, I could see a wild card there. Someone like Mason Redmond, for me, is, is the perfect role model for your youngsters coming in. If you are regenerating, redeveloping uh, a list, then I think Mason Redmond, the way he plays, is, is absolutely the way we all love to play. Uh, full of bravery, full of dash, with a team-first approach. He's, he's a great teammate. He's a great preparer. Um, he's an arm-around kind of guy, but he's but he, he's prepared to to tell a few home truths. He's not afraid to upset a few. So there is a guy like Mason Redmond that would be a wonderful choice, but who knows? It probably depends what you're looking for, and, and those internally will know. You, know. you can't just vote the best bloke uh, or your best mate. You've got to find the best captain for the football club. It's a significant role these days. It's not just for, um, winning the coin toss and moving on. So... It's uh, it, again the decisions. They're big decisions. Clubs have to get right. And before I let you go, uh, as you know, the text machine uh, at SEN, uh, the people like to trip you up. I think this person's only on the text machine asking this question because they know I consistently get his name wrong. So Jacob Van Royen, uh, did he train today? Where's he going to play? Will he be there round one? <laughs> yeah, I, I, he trained today. He's, he's obviously become their, their, their focal point down forward. He, he, I think he'll play in round one. They have got great options. I mean, this is this is the beauty of, of, of being a very good team with with a very good list. You know, they're going to have McDonald who's training really well, Brown who was who has been really good the last two sessions. Um, so he, he's he's in great form, having missed a bit of preseason. He's probably come back better than what some thought. Uh, and then obviously Jacob Van Royen, who's who's who for me would be a walk up start if you're looking to expose some fresh talent, well, I think that would be where you start. But then you've got to have a resting Ruckman down there as well at some stage. Um, so it'll, it'll just be, again, an interesting watch. Josh Shackey probably hasn't made the most of his opportunities over the last couple of sessions, just sort of fumbling a couple of balls. And they've got this kid at 195 centimetres, Matthew Jefferson, who moves just beautifully. A uh, young kid from down Oakley Way, I think, who's only fresh into, into the system. Um, but he, he's one you need to watch. I think that he could come with a rush. I mean, that's no surprise to, to the Melbourne to the Melbourne fans. They've, they've got a great handle on what this kid is. He was taking a pick 15, so he's, he's, his talents have been exposed. He's a high-level pick, but I wouldn't be too shocked if you saw him early in the season. Kingy, say, I could ask you four or five more, but you better save some stuff for Fireball Friday with you and Kane. So uh, <laughs> uh, I'll let you get away and uh, keep a few in your kit bag. We'll talk soon. I've got one for you. Having a look at all these clubs, yeah. I just wonder which team has the best list. And I'm talking about depth. I'm talking about volume of midfielders. Is there a hole in terms of key post defenders? Which recruiting department has handed their, their coaching staff the best list to work with? Everyone wants to say Brisbane. I'm not sure their depth is as good as, as others. And the more I look at it, I, I sort of start tracking back to the Geelong and, and Richmond models, where there's players that can play multiple roles. don't know what your thoughts are. I don't know what the uh, listeners' thoughts are, but who, who actually gives their coach the best opportunity to win the flag in 2023 regarding the list? Well, that's an interesting question, Kingy, because I would answer it saying Richmond and Geelong as well. But I say that with Geelong... Have got an upside. I mean, De Koning looks like he's going to be a star of the future, so he's great. They've also added Bose. 
They've added Henry. But a few of their guys are getting older. So list-wise, I mean, you take Tom Hawkins any day, but he's a year older and he's coming back from a little injury interruption. Patrick Dangerfield's a year older. Isaac Smith's a year older, even though they looked like they were all in full flight last year. Richmond's the same. So you've got Jack Rewalt, who you take any day of the week to be in your forward line, but he's a year older. Trent Cotchin's a year older as well. So I would say it's Richmond and Geelong because you look at the names and how many superstars they've got, but is age going to weary some of them? Mm. Look, it's a great question. Um, Yeah, one we don't have the answer to, but one thing we do know, that it's a squad of 30 that gets you there. And then once you get there, it's your top four or five that win it for you. Um, So, yeah, just another talking point for this time of the year while we all have no idea. Great to have you, Kingy. We'll talk soon. We'll hear you Friday. Kingy and Kane, 6 a.m. Friday, Fireball Friday. It's back for 2023, and it'll be with you every Friday from 6. If you've got a thought on Kingy's question, 1-300-736-736. When it comes to looking at the names, and I agree with Kingy, it takes 27-28 to win a flag. Some teams have got a really good first 15 or 14, but then it thins out from there. That's where I think the Cats do have superb depth, by adding Isaac Smith and now adding Bose and Henry. It's been great to have so many texts come through today on that text machine for 40 Winks and Temper, T-E-M-P-U-R, Consumer's Choice Winner, Temper Mattresses, Pillows and Adjustable Bases conforms the exact shape of your body. Obviously, that was a slip of the tongue. I'm talking about Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. So thanks for the correction on the text. But uh, we got, you know, little highlights of final series. There was no KO, no ESPN, uh, no Foxtel back then. So you got what you got as a highlights reel, unless you've got the VHS sent to you. Xavier Cooks has been good enough to join me while we're talking some basketball. MBL's Andrew Gay's trophy winner and MVP last night at the awards night. And he's been firing for a couple of seasons now, as the Kings have been, because he's firing especially. Welcome to you, Xavier. Great to have you on the program. What's going on, man? How you doing? Well, I'm doing well, but not as well as you. You've had a couple of great seasons, and you got the reward last night uh, for your season uh, that's not quite gone yet, but you just put together in the regular season. Yeah, yeah. It's, always, it's pretty cool. It's always quite nice to be appreciated for your efforts, but it's kind of weird getting an individual award in a team sport. So it's awesome and all, but I'm much trader for our championship ring, that's for sure. Well, you're about to grab yourself another one if you keep your consistency going. You are the favourites at the moment, so you've ticked every box so far. Yeah, it's looking good right now, but we've still got a lot of work to do. It's a long way to the, to the championship, and um, playoffs are a different kind of game. So what have you made? Have you, are you a basketball head to the point? I know your dad played for the Hawks, so you probably do watch a lot of basketball outside of just the games that you're playing because you grew up kind of watching a lot of basketball. So what do you make of the Wildcats' chances and the Phoenix' chances? What do you make of the ups and downs that most other teams have had? Yeah, I mean... At this stage, it's anyone's game. Like, this, this competition is so even this year. It could go either way. Um, it's obviously, I love the playing system. I think it's a great idea, especially for this year, having six teams. But it's also tough to... One game elimination is pretty tough. So it's pretty... Who can hold their nerves and we'll see what happens. So you were finals MVP last season, if I'm not correct, in the championship win. So is there a level that you have to continue to lift to when it comes to the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Our playoffs, are, like I said, it's a different beast out there, and you've got to play extremely hard. It's a lot more physical, um, it's faster pace, so it's interesting. But I think if we can do it, we can do it. We've got the kind of guys around me that are really talented that we play together, and I think we can get the job done. Your coach, Chase Buford, uh, he's pretty aggressive when it comes to 
stalking the sideline, probably wears out a couple of pairs of shoes a season, um, and he lets the refs know when they might have things wrong. It's been an interesting character to add to our Australian landscape. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Chase is awesome. He's a great coach. He's passionate. He's what players like. We don't want some coach that's just out there doing... He, he, he feels... He's emotional. He feels the game. He's passionate. And yeah, I, I love Chase. So you feed off that emotion? You like it? Yeah, I like it. I, I, like I said, I'm a bunch, of, a bunch of guys out there fiery, like into the game, then are guys that are just in third mode coasting the whole time. So I think it, it adds to the character of our team and he kind of suits the, the role of Sydney Kings in this league. Hey, I know you're only taking it one game at a time, but uh, and I presume you've never listened to this show before, but we talk about you a little bit. Have Chris Anstey on as a regular. I want to play something Chris Anstey said when I asked him about the Olympics next year and Ben Simmons. Uh, here's what Chris Anstey said. Luke Longley, I think, said it best, is that, that Ben's just got to find his love of basketball and, and had the right people around him. And we all thought that that might have been the boomers leading into Tokyo, but unfortunately it wasn't we may end up finding that it still becomes the boomers at some stage down the track, but it's high risk. Um, having said that, high risk, probably high reward at that level as well. But um, look, uh, for me, Xavier Cooks has consistently done enough to prove that he's one of the best four men in the NBL. Uh, he hasn't really had his shot internationally yet, so I suppose that's the only unknown within this. But look, I'd love to see him pull on a boomer's uniform and... You know, at some level, you need someone who's going to turn up and compete. You know exactly what you're going to get every single practice, every single game. And for me, that's Xavier Cooks at the moment. Xavier, that's Chris Anstey talking about your competitive nature and how good you'd be in the Australian team. Yeah, crazy. Especially coming from a guy like that, that means a lot. Um, yeah, wow. You obviously have aspirations to a lot higher level. You'd love to be in the NBA, and you probably will be before too long. But uh, that is on your horizon both the Olympic Games and the NBA? Oh, for sure. I mean, when I started playing from a little age, my two goals were always to represent the country and try and play in the NBA because, in my opinion, they're the two highest levels of basketball. And this is to show that I belong. And I mean, nothing cool than representing your country and all that kind of stuff. But if I'm going against Ben Simmons, I'm in some trouble. <laughs> He's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> he is, but you're consistent and you fight hard. I mean, every minute of every time you're on the court, you give it your heart and soul, which is something to have in your favour when it comes to selection, surely. I think so. And I think it speaks to what Australian basketball is like. We have a bunch of feisty guys that just get after it. You know, the Deliver Dovers of the world, the Bainsies, the Bogues, the, the guys that get after it. And I'm, I'm not the strongest guy in the league, that's for sure. But I try to make up with my effort levels. And a little bit of game that you've still got to improve that you can improve of, uh, on over the off-season, obviously. Oh, a little bit. There's a lot of game I can work on. I think I've got a, a, a pretty high ceiling if I can figure it all out, but there's a long way to go still. Yeah. What is it? Adding a three-point shot, or is it your, from the free-throw line? What What do you think you need to work on? All of the above. Uh, both of those things. Um, <laughs> put on some weight. Um, just a, a few little things that help expand my game a little bit. You've been a ripper to watch, Xavier. Congratulations on the MVP. It's a delight to have superstars like you on my show. It makes my show better when I get the opportunity to talk to guys like you. So congratulations and uh, all power to you during the playoffs for the Kings. We'll talk soon, hopefully. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Xavier Cooks, NBL's Andrew Gaze trophy winner at the awards night last night. And, uh, yeah, big final series to come. By the way, you can still get some tickets for tomorrow night. Southeast Melbourne Phoenix up against the Perth Wildcats. It's an earlier tip-off than 
uh, some games at John Kane Arena normally are. It's a 6.30 tip-off, but tickets are still available if you'd like to buy some. Thanks to everyone that sent through a text, by the way, today. If you're coming through on Xavier Cook, so I appreciate those as well. On the 40 Winks Temper text machine, Dwayne's word for Master Builders Victoria. Want the best in industry training? Contact Master Builders Victoria. And for Athena Home Loans, pay down your home loan faster with Athena. Uh, and Midday Madness, by the way, been great to have Werribee Kia on board. They're back on board for 2023 with that open line number. Werribee Kia awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. I'm not back tomorrow. The cricket will be on the station you're listening to tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to the cricket as much as you are. Welcome back to the program. Always great to have so many of your calls and your texts coming through. Before I hand over to Andy and Gazy for the first time in 2023, time to check in with what's happening in Greyhound Racing. As I welcome Andrew Holmes from GRV to the program. Andrew, great to have you on. Uh, it's not so much about the racing, but the rehoming this week. But uh, firstly, let me welcome you. Great to have you on. Yeah, thanks, Dwayne. Thanks for having us. And uh, and you're right. We'll talk about Saturday night at the Meadows in just a moment. But uh, this week, uh, we have a focus on our uh, Greyhound Adoption Program Open Day this Saturday at at, at our Tullamarine Marine Base, um, which is uh, which is fantastic. And uh, we're using this opportunity to uh, to work off the back of a successful weekend a couple of weekends ago with um, celebrating Valentine's Day early, Dwayne. Oh, which is nice. Tell me more. <laughs> well, it's our perfect weekend, uh, our perfect match weekend at, uh, at Gap, whereby we've got um, some lovable greyhounds looking for some lovable homes and some lovable families. So uh, there's a lot of love in the air. So it's Saturday between 9 and 3, Dwayne, and people can wander down to our Tullamarine base at 444 Milrose Drive uh, in Tullamarine between 9 and 3, as I said, and um, go and inspect. There's no appointment necessary. Uh, go and inspect um, the many um, ready-to-rehome greyhounds we've got out there. And um, as I said, we had a great weekend a couple of weekends ago um, where we uh, rehomed 72 greyhounds across three days from the Gap facility at Seymour. So... We're in a, 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 um, a strong period of time for, for rehoming greyhounds and uh, um, we're very excited to be able to have another, um, another lot ready for, um, for rehoming on the weekend. So tell me back through that. So 72 greyhounds rehomed in, how, what, the space of a couple of days? Yeah, yeah over three days. Monday, Saturday and, uh, sorry, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, um, late January, we, uh, we opened the doors at, at Seymour Gap and 72 walked out the door with a uh, with a new family. And as we always say, Dwayne, these, um, these greyhounds make exceptionally perfect pets for almost any environment, whether it's a, a single person or an elderly person or a big family, apartment living, um, large family home properties. There's really no limitations as to what um, what environment these these uh, greyhounds thrive in. Um, and, um, you know, as we've said before to you, Dwayne, um, they lounge and sleep around for most of the day, about 20 hours, I've been told. Uh, they're very quiet. They rarely bark. They only require about 20 to 25 minutes of walking every day and a very low maintenance. And on the weekend, um, it's only a $100 adoption fee for anyone who wishes to come and, uh, and inspect and uh, find their new family love and uh, hopefully take one home. So that's GAP, G-R-V, GAP.GRV, GAP.GRV.org.au to find out more. OK, a little bit of racing before we let you go, Andrew. What's been happening or what's about to happen? Yeah, Saturday night, Dwayne. It's a big uh, Group 1 um, bonanza at the Meadows. So um, three Group 1 races. It's the start of the unmissable uh, Australian Cup Carnival uh, featuring the Tem Lee, the Rookie Rebel and the Zoom Tops. So three really big races on the Greyhound calendar every year. Over $400,000 in prize money across those three races alone. 
and it's kids' night and family night, Dwayne. So uh, we encourage everyone to get to the Meadows. It runs over three weeks, this carnival, and culminates uh, in uh, on the 25th of February uh, with the um, Australian Cup, the Group 1 Australian Cup, which is a $300,000 prize check to the winner. So um, all the information about Saturday night at the Meadows can be found at themeadows.org.au um, and uh, there's dining and hospitality available. So head to that website um, and check out what's available at the Meadows across the next three weeks, but particularly this week with three big Group 1 races. Andrew, great to have you on. Really appreciate your time and uh, let's hope plenty of people log on and find out more from Greyhound Racing Victoria. We'll talk soon. It's a pleasure, Dwayne. Thanks for having me. Andrew Holmes from Greyhound Racing Victoria. Thanks to all of you who picked up the phone, dialed the number today. Thanks to everyone who took the time to send through a text as well. Apologies if I haven't read your text out, but we get quite a few texts. Hopefully I've read enough. I'm not here tomorrow, as I mentioned, so the cricket on tomorrow. That's the good news. You've got the cricket coming your way tomorrow. The much-anticipated, much-talked-about series, Australia v India, will be on this radio station you're listening to now at this time tomorrow. So got to be excited about that. And I'll catch you in a few days. Check it all out on the podcast, by the way, if you want to download any of the show, any of the interviews we've had on the show this week. But I'll see you in a few days. Enjoy the cricket.